So yesterday we ended with the middle stage. So the last part of the middle stage, I'll repeat. We slowly move into a more consistent state of non-duality, where the basis of living is experiential instead of being dominated by false thinking. From here on, the percentage of time lived from this experiential base just increases. So I'm citing Joko saying this here. Please don't get stuck on this. This will come up again in the last part of this talk. So just allow it to be there, but don't get stuck in it. The next portion is this last stage. Now, we all, all of us, can sometimes be first-time sitters with emotion, thoughts, swirling and entangling, whether in sitting or in life caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. And we all are being this moment. All sometimes are being this moment in our experiential life. This breath, bodhisattva, compassion, this life practice, just this moment manifesting. Experiencing is just experiencing. It's not something we need to add on, and yet. So Buddha reminds Bahia, this is the truth. It is ours to be such that we are. There's no need in, let us say, experiencing for you. In the midst of experiencing, in the midst of being just this moment, you arises, you passes, like all other aspects of form, sensations, and so forth. And the instruction that the Buddha states in the Sutra to Bahia, quote, when for you there will only be the seen in the seen, only the heard in the heard, only the sensed in the sense, only the cognized in the cognized. There is no you in terms of that. When there is no you in terms of that, there is no you there. When there is no you there, you are neither here nor yonder nor between the two. This, just this, is the end of stress. That's close quote from the Bahia Sutra. So Joko continues. So if we speak of stages in the last stage, emotional phenomena ensnare us much less frequently. Notice the word ensnare us or we ensnare ourselves. And I would add, when they do ensnare us, or when we are ensnared, we notice this more quickly, and we do what is called for, called for based on this moment life. 
Joko says, emotional phenomena, potential self-centered dreams in myriad forms arise on their own. The important matter is, do we ensnare in them or even ensnare in ensnaring? Actually, I'm not sure if that's Joko or, or mine, but it doesn't make a difference. Joko continues, we begin to pick up teaching from everything our life goes through. In other words, from our life, which is all sorts of arising, passing circumstances. As I sometimes use the analogy, all sorts of things come down the river of our life. Sometimes it's full of all sorts of branches, rocks even, sometimes muddy, sometimes clear. Joko says, this means that the really tough ones that usually hit all of us, maybe some more than others. That's what she means. We pick up teachings from everything in our life, the tough ones. And it's valuable and important to reflect what the really tough ones have been or are in your life or what they are when they arise. As tough is what is tough for you. Though for all of us, there's common things that are tough. Sickness, aging, death our own, that of those close to us. Those are certainly good candidates for things that are tough. But each of us has particular things that are tough for us. Tough in the sense that we get ensnared and tangled in them. Sickness, aging, death, we all must encounter these in some form. What else? What expectation of others or of self ensnare you or are difficult? This is very important. Not to figure out in advance, but to have this as something that we are sensitive to, to notice, oh, this is a tough one for me. This is something I'm ensnared in. Sometimes it's reflecting back. Sometimes it's just being present and being aware of it as it's arising. And that ensnaring, which is simply another way of saying caught and holding, caught in self-centered dream, holding. They ensnare us in the process of just their flowing down the river and yet we set up a dam for them and try to fix them or keep them from coming down our river or want to yell and scream about the fact that how dare they come down our river all of us will have things coming down our river as you know Part of the Buddha's encouragement of practice was encountering sickness, aging, and aging not just in years, but aging in terms of conditions. 
senses that cease to be functioning the way they used to, whether it's our strength, our muscles, our shape, our ability to see, hear, smell, taste, or all sorts of others. And, of course, most significant here is your particular tendencies and the places that you are ensnared. And you doesn't mean some general you, but each of us. If sometimes we can go to the expression core belief reactions or core belief reaction habits, which we are particularly sensitive to and blind to, ensnared by. As Joko previously mentioned, the biological, the genetic, the early conditioning, and so forth. But it's not just those, it's of course the social ones. It's of course having to do with the, well, that early conditioning includes, early could be as recently as yesterday, the family, the people, the people we work with, the friends, so forth. Or the people we just have. This is important because it's always about, in a sense, dropping where we're ensnared at in so that we could, so to speak, pop into this moment. Drop and pop. Joko like to use that expression. I like it too. Pop into the moment. We're not popping into anywhere else. We're simply being this experience. So Joko says, practice is not about having a life that is just nice and fun. We've seen through that. But have we? That's gone. Is it really gone? Even though it's gone, it arises. Maybe not often. Maybe only occasionally, rarely, but it arises. If it does, does it pass or does it ensnare? Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, meaning what arises is exactly our life teaching, offering the opportunity. Joko says, life becomes quite different from what it used to be. Even though it might be exactly the same circumstances, exactly the same work, exactly the same people we've always encountered. In practice, sometimes we discover, I've told this story in the past, and I've written about it, that the same person that we used to encounter and was always, oh, we put up with them, oh, they were, they all went on and on with their habit. So in Roshi, after a particular occasion of deep awakening, let's put it that way, encountered someone who he used to always encounter on his train trip between his monastery and 
I think it was Tokyo. And it was just marvelous. After he had, in a sense, life had become quite different from what it used to be. Even though it is the very same life circumstances, people, conditions, so forth. So Joko says, sentences such as, I am nothing and therefore I am everything, uh, that's a quote, are no longer meaningless phrases from some book, but things one knows intuitively, or we could say it differently, one knows for oneself. Such knowledge is nothing special or strange. It's just the ordinariness of life. The ordinariness of life is exactly what our life practice always is. It's nothing special. Compassion, appreciation for life, she says, and other people are much stronger. Compassion for oneself is much stronger. It's useful to really look at the word compassion and reflect what it is and also what it isn't. It isn't some sort of ideal fairy life. Appreciating our life, appreciating our life as it is and as it isn't. And our life is everyone and everything we encounter. So Joko says, I goof all over the place. What I do is fix it up if I feel that's what's called for, but I don't land on myself for it. I just do what I can do. I know what I am. I'm not a person. I'm just a process that's working itself out. This last sentence is very important. I'm just a process. I'm just a process. Then we could easily be this moment process, this moment process of the whole universe, which is our particular life this moment, not in some ideal distant way, but this whole universe is right here in exactly what you're doing, whether it's banging a nail in with a hammer or it's drinking a cup of milk or being just this moment, compassion's way. That's why that's stress. That's why it's there. And Joko adds a further caveat. I don't want to imply that there's somewhere to get to, but, but the ability to see that there's nowhere to get to, that comes late. We, we, and I'll say we all, are pretty determined to get somewhere. We have ideas, dreams that often we don't, <clears throat> excuse me, let go of, or at least see through and see them for what they are. 
about getting somewhere, or at least getting some of the people in our life to the somewhere where they we think they ought to be, rather than where they are. So Joko has two nice parables that are brought up here at the end, and I'll just go through one of them, and the second one I'll mention at the end, and you can do it after Sashin. This is the parable of the Mississippi River that she used, talking about practice, talking about our life. It's a very fluid process. Very fluid process. She says, like the Mississippi, some of the bends of the Mississippi go backwards and then they go forwards. At times, in some places, floodplains alter the whole river. Now, since most of you are in the Midwest, most of you are aware of the Mississippi. And you know the Mississippi goes back and forth, sometimes changing completely where it's going, sometimes cutting off old places where it used to be and then just skipping across it all of a sudden, no longer having to make the long twisty, windy path. See, this is very much our life. Sometimes the flood of circumstances and conditions and having to deal with what seems particularly hard alters the whole river. She says, the hard circumstances of our life alter this flow and sometimes knock us back. You go backwards as well as forwards. See, that's very important. Backwards and forwards is just going. If we have an idea that there's somewhere to get to, we're in trouble. If we have an idea that there's something wrong with us just as we are, we're in trouble. And yet, the river has to go along. It keeps on flowing. So, going backwards as well as forwards is fine. But, she says, as you go along, you see what you never saw in the first stage. How all of that is part of it, going backwards and forwards. This is important in practice. It's important in our life, not because you have to think about, am I going backwards or forwards? But because of having a broad perspective on our life and our practice so that we don't turn our practice into some plan that we figured out about where it's going and what's happening and what I'm changing and what I'm not changing, even the idea that I need to change anything. We never practice that way, or I shouldn't say it that That is a misperception if we practice that way. From the beginning, our practice is imperfection, if I use that word. From the beginning, our practice is this, is suchness, if I use that word. 
going backwards and forwards, he says, understanding more on some days than you understand on other days. It's all part of the life flow. Understanding more, great. Understanding less, wonderful. Except, of course, if we have a self-centered dream and judgments that we believe about it. If we have that, then we make trouble for ourselves. So, though we've come to the end of this, we really just go back to the beginning. What's the beginning? What's the beginning? You could say it's bodily experiencing. You could say it's noticing thoughts, bodily experiencing, labeling thoughts, bodily experiencing. Or observing mental process because we tend to use the word thoughts for some and exclude other mental processes. So thoughts, emotions. And that's all when we're ensnared. And the only point of that is to enable us to be the experiencing, the bodily experiencing or experiencing a present bodily sensations or popping into this present moment where we always are. The middle of this river of mental, physical, emotional processes that we're flowing in. This whole body, whole universe experiencing. You've heard enough from me, but after session, your assignment is to also read the parable of Mushin, which is the last chapter of Joko's book, Everyday Zen. But that can wait till after session. But I urge you to read it and then put it aside and reread it and chew on it. The text that I've used for these talks is um, going to be put online after session or at the end of, well, yeah, today's the end of session. (laughs) After session, um, one of the things that happens to me is I lose track of (laughs) where we are in session. So at the end of session, um, Mushin will have it and he will post it as when time is convenient. And I know we haven't really talked about what I've brought up or what Joko has brought up in groups. So this evening or the after dinner, we're going to meet again. And one of the things we'll have at that point is the opportunity to talk together about what I've said, what Joko said. Um, As I said, this is based on Joko's two books. Um, 
the uh, video of Joko and all the audios of Joko's talks and various other individual teachings and articles. So, thank you all. And this for now.